0: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to our next great Conversation here, episode five of our Open Seat Direct conversations. Talking to a live event pro to give us some do's and don'ts on the on the industry. Uh, learn more about what they do, how they made it, and uh, hopefully have some fun conversations and uh, fun stories along the way. It's a pleasure to talk to this brother. I had uh, we had connected a, about a, a a decade ago or so i um, fascinated about the work he was doing at dance and live events. And it's really cool to have him here the last day of May. The founder of Wu Management, a uh, dance and event producer extraordinaire, Danny Wu. Say hi to everybody, sir.
1: Hi, everybody. <laughs> you hey, go. Michael. Hey, Michael. How's it going? Good, brother. Pleasure it's good to see you, man. There.
0: It's good to see you. I know that it's funny. We were just talking before we jumped online. Danny and I, we we always had conversations about working together. Never did, sadly. A lot of that had to do with me with my old consulting biz, but then also COVID hit. So then you know, just stuff stopped for a couple of years, sadly, where everything was virtual and 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 very uh, to be determined. Um, but thankfully, we're hopefully that's lighting up more, lightening up more and more. So we're sort of back in the swing. Uh, but the I first wanted to, as I always get started, um, to learn a little more about you, Dan, and your background. So first, where are you from, man?
1: I am from Queens, New York, born and raised. So, so I always have I, to
0: ask. Okay, if you're from New York City, so what was the train stop you were near? Go for it.
1: The train stop I was right next to uh, was the E train on Union Turnpike.
0: There you go. That was all right. And I went to
1: school. I went to school in the city uh, at Battery Park. So I'd take it to the last stop. Oh there wow!
0: That's look at that. Yeah, you had a long <laughs> trip. There you go. Yep. Yeah. There you go so a queen's guy and then tell me uh, in particular you're 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 a dancer for sure man so from your upbringing in new york city what what you, you know how did you get introduced to dance and fall in love with it it seems like that's a big part of uh, your journey man you
1: know i always say like with dancers uh first love is always music and uh cuz you need music to dance so, so that's uh, true. Girl, Yeah, growing up as a kid, you know, I was lucky enough to, you know, have MTV, uh, saw some music videos, um, and got just exposed to hip-hop. And, you know, when you go to the city, you're always seeing, um, we call them hitters, which are street dancers, literally dancers Mm -hmm. on the street who are trying to make money. Uh, I would see hitters at 34th Street, Times Square, and the subway all the time when I was going to high school. So hip-hop culture was always exposed to me. And um, I think this was like the second media boom for um, hip hop and break-in. In In my mind, um, it was America's Best Dance Crew. They had So You Think You Can Dance. Like all these uh, media shows that were exposing um, hip hop and break-in to the youth like me. So, you know, I just kind of just grew up dancing on like dance teams in high school. I was doing gymnastics. You know, I was just moving always. You know, I was always athletic so that was kind of how i started with dance and then it just kind of evolved you know like i was doing a whole bunch of things you know when you're young you can't you don't really know what you want to do yet and then my first love for dance the style was breaking you know and then as i got older you know breaking was very uh impacts my body hard so i had to kind of learn how to adapt and um somewhere along the 2000s my like love for hip-hop music kind of just simmered down a bit you know
0: okay and i just kind of
1: grew into the electronic dance music the house deep house music and and i'm a house head now so i'm a house dancer i still break um but you know like i said it's this whole evolution of other dances you know i was doing swing in high school oh, know, wow. other other ballroom dances gymnastics cheerleading so um, yeah, like I said, you know, I it just kind of evolves. I, I like to call myself a movement artist because I'm also a yogi. Yeah, okay. And I do a little martial arts, so you know, it's just kind of that whole spectrum of of movement, you know. And like I said, it just it all started with music. So yeah. yeah.
0: And here's that. Uh, so I have to show you know the the credentials here a little bit. This is off your IG, and this is strictly like your house head type of stuff, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Where's this uh where did this take place? This is in Long Island City, Omega dance studio. Oh, that's dope.
1: So again, I had to uh
0: show the cred there for a second, as it were. Yeah. But yeah, so 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 you're in high years.
1: Fifteen years of dancing.
0: Look at that. Yeah, that's a minute. So yeah, you're 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 all in. So so basically, yeah, through high school, it seems like, uh, you know, like a lot of smart kids, you you go to college and you try to have the pragmatic part, you know, hey, let me do something to make sure, you know, I can get a job when I'm done with this. Um, and you end up uh, uh, my city, my na- I was in, I'm was. i a native of Philadelphia, so you end up at Drexel University there, in West Philly. And you had said that kind of like help you go further in or sort of explore more to dance stuff. And so tell me more about that. Yeah,
1: like we were talking before I was saying um Philly has a strong underground hip hop scene. Yeah, big and time, yeah. That's I really got immersed in um in breaking there, but actually really I, I credit myself start um starting my event planning, uh, my event planning career yeah. in in high school cuz we used to do parties and like birthdays and stuff and you know, I would like do all the invites, I'd secure the venue and you know, it wasn't a big venue but you know it was the liaison part and you know i would also curate the music and right. i was doing that in high school and in college at Drexel university was doing that in my dorm <laughs> so right. we we're doing a lot of house parties you know really we we're doing organizing a lot of house parties got to make sure you know you have all the the invites you know uh the, the time is right the music is good and and just getting all like the supply you know, whatever things you need for the party right. and, um,
0: right.
1: yeah, like it kind of just merged. I was doing that while dancing while breaking competitively. I was also traveling, um, as a breaking competitor to breaking events
0: Oh wow! And, okay. and
1: I was going through, you know, the tri-state and then I started traveling outside of the tri-state to, you know, other parts and just going to these different events that were breakdancing events, breaking events. So, um, yeah, and I was doing that and and really got exposed, you know, every weekend, it was either I was doing a party or I went to a dance battle. So it was very active in college. And, um, like I said, you know, I kind of just started with the house parties and that kind of grew and I went to college for criminal justice and sociology. So it was like 180 of what I wanted to do, you know, and, uh you know interesting enough uh i was able—I was actually kind of able to tie it back you know um while in college i was working uh as a campus ambassador for red bull and they had uh they had me um i produced one event for them and i i, met, I promoted about three events for them and okay. you know i was also doing product activation so that was my first world into like like experiential marketing you know, like brand activation right. on site, you know, just giving out Red Bulls to, to, to yeah, college kids yeah, yeah. that need I outside the library. to yeah.
0: <laughs> to explain further, you know, the activation work, that's a little bit of a, a corporate, uh, you know, like an industry term. But essentially, you're helping on behalf of the brand to se- kind of execute elements of their of their marketing push for a particular demographic or event. Right. So, yeah, that's so, roughly so how works.
1: Red, Red Bull wanted college kids to drink their product outside the library because you know <laughs> right <laughs> that's to where they keep kids... you up at night yeah yeah exactly there's gonna always be kids who are looking for caffeine at night you know to do their work yeah. so I yeah. was just tasked with you know doing their you know dis- distribution of the product as well as uh I was managing and producing an event called uh, Battle of the Bands which is a couple bands come on site and they play against each other uh so it was like a band battle um, yeah. so yeah, I was doing that. And then, um, like you were saying before, either, you, you know, you go to college, you have a degree, there's pretty much three to four paths, right? You got the lawyer, the banker, the doctor, the tech, the techie, right? So the yeah.
0: Drexel particularly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I was none of that. And, um, I actually ended up moving back to New York after I graduated and, uh, got a job in the finance and legal world um I was like financial analyst for a bit and it just I would work a nine to five I would go dance right after work and then I would go travel and compete on the weekends and um you know it was like kind of living that duality life for me you know like during the day I had a suit on I had a nice tie and then at night I'm in like a full-on track jacket you know so I was living like this dual identity and, um, uh, I actually, that's when I actually reached out to you. I took a leap. I quit my job and I started, um, my first, uh, event company. Um, it was called Muta and we were producing, um, break in events specifically because, uh, after going to all, all these years of going break breaking events, um, I just found that there was a huge lack of organization with these events and um you know there were more you know grassroots and a lot of these events were not being organized by event organizers you know they were being organized by dancers so you know venues would not be the best um the schedule would (laughs) i had events i've been to events that like battles would start at like 2 a.m you know so yeah things things was not uh after a couple After a decade, I would say I kind of just got tired of it. Yeah. I I saw a huge decline. So I ended up doing an international crew breaking battle um, in the city, you know, at a club at a a stage 48 back in the day. I don't know what it is now, but no, that's um,
0: right. Yeah. 600
1: people. Yeah. 600 people uh, at a breaking event, my first breaking event, you know, a lot of people do the 180, they start small, like 30 to 50 people. And then I went like, no, let me go to the three digits. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. You did
0: kind of leap in with two feet as it were. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: And, um, it was hard, you know, it was probably that first event was the hardest event I've ever done. It was called evolution, New York city. Okay. Um, right. We had now these were light. crews,
0: Danny, all over the world. Right. And yeah. so you had the, I mean, right at the beginning, you had to coordinate what the costs were to fly them in or were they flying in themselves and then so hotels? we were able
1: we were able to yeah we we had the secure hotel blocks but um a lot of them were in actually in philadelphia for a big event already oh, okay. um and you know they if you're in philadelphia new york's right there so yeah, if you you you're drive at, right there. exactly and if you're at if you're not from the usa you're gonna want to visit new york so They would just take the trip down next weekend. And we planned it where, you know, they would come down. We had hotel blocks for them. Um, We had crews from all over the world. We had people from uh, Japan, Russia, uh, the UK, Colombia. So it it was just a super diverse group of dancers. Right. Um, And it was really, it was actually three events. You know, we had the preliminary uh, battles where we chose the top 16, at the main show, which was, you know, the top tier, the people who made it. Yep. And cause the, comp- um, only the competitors go to preliminaries. Then the, spec- the, the spectators and non-participants would go to the main show. And then you merge both of them together at the after party. So it was like a 10 AM to uh, 4 AM yeah, so, yeah, type of yeah. deal. And like I said, that was, um, one of the hardest things I've ever done just because, um, it was my first first solo event that I produced, um, and, you know, the team wasn't solidified yet, and, you know, we're still new. The marketing had to be all guerrilla and on, yeah. on a tight budget, and uh, we actually ended up doing three series, um, a series of three event battles, and then actually pivoted to doing other events Um while working at stage 48 my first big event was uh, that i was able to manage was a uh, true tv's upfront after party
0: okay and
1: that kind of got me in the world of entertainment outside of dance you know into right. television and whatnot right and you know just being in that setting i was like oh i think this is it for me like this is my career path and from there i was able to um work as a work in production at the box new york city and the boxes um I, I like to say it's one of New York's kind of like underground rare gems. It's a very exclusive venue, um, probably the hardest door in New York City to get in, and you know reservations are, you know, they're top tier pricing. You know, and and right, I was able to work in. Uh, so I actually worked my way up at the box uh, from production into business development, and from business development into running the whole events department now i'm curious that. with the
0: box um so you go from these like you know these uh dance competition style live events um driven by the dancers and and, and a full day of activity and then explain more juxtaposing that with the box where um this is a certain form of live entertainment, but you have to basically make a reservation and it's, and it's tough to get in because of capacity. Like tell me more about what that, that dynamic is with the yeah, boxes. So
1: Cause the boxes, you know, going from, you know, a 600 person venue, general admission, everyone's open yeah. general admission. Totally. Right? Yeah, so exactly. Going to, okay, this venue, you, you need a reservation like a month beforehand, right? Cause the capacity for that venue is about 200 to and that's tight you know like yeah
0: very tight yeah
1: that venue so the box like just to explain it's a theater nightclub they're kind of like that hybrid where um it's a theater during the day and it becomes a nightclub at night so it has this intimacy feeling of a theater um and they do um a variety show where they have a bunch of different acts um, um usually you know it's singing it's a lot of it's a lot of different, uh, types of acts. I, I don't yeah, yeah. know how to describe it, but you know, I always say it's a wild place. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone knows it's a wild place, I don't want to just
0: close any more,
1: more, uh, details, no, D, but, yeah. Um, yeah. going from that, you know, um, to a very intimate setting with, with, you know, this is, it's a different thing dealing with 600 GAs and 200 VIPs. Because yeah. everyone in there has top is top tier, you know, has money. They paid a lot to be there. So managing 200 VIPs and whatnot was a different setting. Um, I was able to work with a lot of high-end clients while um, doing events out there, you know. Um, and it also allowed me to get exposure to all these different events. You know, I was working nightlife parties, but then uh, during the day, I would do television and film shoots. You know, working mm-hmm. with a lot of location scouts that would rent out the venue. Right. We do uh, photo shoots as well with Vogue. Um, but, you know, like I said, my heart's in dance and, and parties. And one of the biggest things I was able to do at the box was work with uh, Gucci for and Sax for, for their New York Fashion Week after party. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, Mark Ronson was DJing. But um, I always love telling the story. But they had a special guest and they, don't, they didn't tell me, right? And one of the issues, you know, as you know, in in event production, doing events, there's always things that come up that you don't anticipate and you got to try to fix it. Right. And you know, me being from Queens, you know, Q-tip was the special guest. I was like, Oh, whoa, it's Q-tip.
0: Oh man. Guess what? He didn't have a green
1: room. (laughs) (laughs) So we had to go and just, I had to go and just clear that room, you know, and problem solve and make sure him and his manager were, were okay. So, um, yeah, being able to do that, you know, from like a huge setting to something more intimate, more private, um, right. Really just kind of allowed me to get both sides of the spectrum and uh, really just develop my event skills on, you know, a super, like a super VIP level and a, like a, a, a festival, big, you know, big production level. So, right, right, right. Yeah.
0: No, that's great. So I'd, I'd love to hear more about, I guess, the differences with those. So let's say just purely from a content standpoint, what are some of the logistical or other differences when you're doing a dance event where, again, the stars of the show are, da- are the dancers, right? Vis-a-vis, you know, a DJ or a Q-tip or a singer or, or you know, more of that type of performance is the is the center of the show what are some of the logistics um that might be different when when uh in those cases
1: well the logistics there's a lot of different logistical cases uh from every event you guys you know event. Basis, oh absolutely right? yeah each event say each event is different but like that's, right. In, that's term, right in terms of the two like dance versus you know like like music um i was we we're talking about this before with dance you know you kind of you're going to make a show flow or a schedule and you can't really adhere to it because you don't know how long the dancers are going to go on for, you know, for a singer, you know, they're going to have four songs.
0: They're right.
1: going to, they're going to, they're going gonna, to, they got four songs. The band knows, right? The dancer, they don't know. It might be a tie <laughs> when they battle. So that's another round. That's another, uh, yeah, minutes. that's true. Right. That's a, right. Another 10 minutes added to your schedule and, and things are always being pushed out. And I think, right. Um, but I love that about dance because it's so random and, and you don't know what to expect. And, um, that's the beauty of dance battles. I don't know who's going to win, you know? Um, and logistically, I would say with dance events, it's definitely more lax, way more relaxed just because dancers, um, you know, when they're competing, they don't have this I need this XYZ writer list, you know, like a, like a right. big artist, you know, right. a big artist is asking for a million things.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: But I got, I have 16 dancers I got to take care of and and they're pretty simple, you know, just give them a space where they can stretch water, you know, some, some nutrient bars, very simple fruit.
0: Right. They're not going to be eating a
1: lot before they go and dance. So,
0: right. Makes um, sense. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Just, just on that standpoint, but also, you know, the, the level is a little different you know with dancers i have to use the prize money to to really attract my my audience because um the dancers are going to come but they're going to bring their friends yep. the community whoever they're in, in their circle to come to an event, and and that's more of a local community grassroots event because everyone is a couple degrees apart like Someone you know might be at the event that you've seen at a dance practice, right? So it's a very local organization group that kind of just merges with these dance battles. With these commercial events, like I was telling you, I worked Cascade this weekend. I passed 15,000 people, right? So, right. you know, it's not that much of a community. You know, that DJ is just selling tickets and it's a big headliner. And Yep. Everyone's just there for the DJ, you know, and I think with the more dance grassroots, everyone's there to be part of this community, you know, Correct. and it's just very different spectrums. And I, I, I'm i still in both and I love both to, you know, yeah. they both have their, their benefits, their pros and their cons. But, you know, like I said, they're very different and you can't treat those two things on the same when you're, you know, when you're producing events.
0: Right, right. And I guess when you were either as a dancer or even a promoter um, going on the road, what was the, uh, you know, traveling, I guess. So I'm assuming between your dance work and then the, uh, you know, both as a dancer and promoter, you've you probably ended up quite a few cool places around the U.S. or the world. So where 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 is the, this stuff taking you in that regard and how that sort of impacts the work you've been doing?
1: Oh, absolutely i mean um been to some amazing dance events all over the world um one of the things that actually really inspired me um was a, this event i went to japan in tokyo called just a boo okay they're they're from france but they do these big uh, qualifiers all over the world and oh, just it. a boo is like uh an all-star it's it's a street style dance battle but they have categories for almost every street style like popping, hip-hop uh whacking vogue house so they're uh they're a huge competition and they their events draw you know 600 plus in every city that they go to um and just going to J- i love Japan so just going there okay. and seeing yeah. Japanese dancers was amazing um another event that was uh absolutely amazing uh that I was able to go to was um, the under pressure graffiti festival in montreal
0: oh and wow
1: it's just a, it's so cool it's just a whole weekend it's like a whole weekend of graffiti and 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 dance street dance so it's like a block party they'll have these canvas walls out on the street people would just be tagging it's along wow. the strip so you can go eat you can go eat while watching people tag they have dance battles on the sh- on the main strip so there's dance battles there's after parties every night, and it's just so – and I love Montreal, you know. And
0: Yeah, it is nice, yeah.
1: I, I've never been there. I, I don't think I have ever would have ever gone there if it wasn't for dance, you know. So just to be able to, like, go to these places that I never thought I would have gone to because of dance or events, um, it's just been amazing, you know. Like, I always say, like, I've had a very fulfilling – career experience you know like if i was to retire tomorrow i'm cool yeah, with yeah, it yeah. because yeah, i've done yeah. a lot and um that was kind of like how i thought in COVID, because now i can kind of go into it was yeah right you know COVID, and i actually went to this just debut japan right before COVID happened
0: oh wow and so what was that japan. like february of of right before uh, right? roughly yeah
1: january january I wow right before it, yeah yeah right, right before. before but i actually went to hawaii on the way back because it's right it's not japan hawaii is right next to japan
0: no not correct Fly yeah.
1: through anyway so i took a days in hawaii and it was a good um kind of like retreat you know, just being on a beach from like, cause Japan, Tokyo is still a metropolis city, you know, tons of people, light stimulus. Yeah. And I was just able to relax on the beach and then COVID happened. And, um, as you know, all events had shut down except for virtual. And, um, I was not ready to pivot to virtual yet. So I kind of always, I was just in a weird head state, you know, like, Oh, like everyone was. in yeah one day my friend asked me hey do you want to move to hawaii my job's remote and i was like well there's nothing happening for me here so i actually decided to move to hawaii with my friend and uh i got my yoga teacher training there and started teaching yoga um but through that i was actually able to work in the health and wellness event space in hawaii and hawaii has probably the most fittest people i've ever seen there's everyone so everyone's so young there it's it's nature, you know, nature heals. So everyone's super young there. Everyone's active. Like everyone's either, uh, running, hiking, uh, surfing is huge there. So people are super active there. Um, so I was able to really, you know, doing yoga. So, you know, that was, that was what I was doing in Hawaii. And then I was able to kind of do a couple of health and wellness events out there. But, um, yeah, I was there for a year. It was amazing. Uh, but definitely miss that New York city rush. Yeah. And um, once, you know, events kind of came back here, I was like, let me come back here. You know, I'll be here for the season. And when I'm ready to go out there for another season, I will be there for another season. So that's now, with, right now
0: that's great. And with Hawaii, then I'm thinking, yeah, during a pandemic, I guess there was that it's an interesting dynamic where everybody went virtual. Right. I mean, we all in the live event biz, you know, we're sitting around thinking, oh, we, what are we going to do now here? and a lot of it became virtual and I guess so you're saying that um um uh that was something that that I guess a new skill set or a new type of experience that you were able to kind of get involved with uh by necessity um just curious like what the differences were in that regard compared to you know the old nightclub you know dance dance battle sort of setup that we've had over the years
1: well, interestingly enough, the first event I did at Stage 48, Evolution, New York City, that I was telling you about, we actually did the live stream. So we had the green room with, you know, the producer, uh, as well as, you know, um, all the tech is in that separate room. So I, <laughs> I So, was, you had, about, so yeah. in that case,
0: you had, like, the people in person. You would go to, and I think it's Terminal 5, it's called now, but like the old Stage 48. Regardless, so you're having people go in person, but then you also had people could watch live or, or recorded it. So yeah, this because was the more, early yeah. days of hybrid event, as it were. So now it's a little more yeah. common. People know this doing live events that one thing that came out of the COVID experience was this concept of we should uh, live event organizers doing more hybrid. Why don't we take advantage of we might have an international audience for what we're doing. So people can go in person, but, hey, if we're going to record it, we're going to shoot it live and stream it live. We might as well, you know, either get someone to sign up for free or to pay a small fee to watch it streamed. And if anything, your evolution event was sort of almost a precursor, like years before this became more common, you were doing with that event, which is interesting.
1: Yeah, right? um, we had Monster Energy sponsor us. So they, they provided us um, some budget for production yeah so you know we're able to just produce that for them because they that's what they wanted um right. some sort of you know video collateral for their marketing you know yeah
0: exactly that.
1: so yeah actually you know um moving like to hawaii i was doing a lot of stuff remote as well you know i was managing events remotely now um you know it's freelancing and and um it was interesting because when I moved back, I, I took a short stint with this company called Daybreaker. They and they do yoga, they do it. It's a yoga class at like 6 a.m. followed by a dance party. But oh, wow. they pivoted, um, I was doing event opera event ops for them, and they pivoted to doing um a lot of live streams. Like and they created a in-house studio and they had an in-house producer with all the equipment and they were doing dance parties live streamed. You know, di- virtually, and um, I was actually very blessed to be able to kind of work with some of the people I've always wanted to work with. To um, be able to work with DJ Jazzy Jeff, you know, as Philippe, as you legend, know, legend, legend, yeah, yeah, legend. So you know, it was just really cool, and and just seeing. And one thing that he said uh, when we we're working together that really spoke out to me was he was saying, you know, because of this, you know, he has access to share his passion to all these people who might not be able to have access to it. You know, if you're not in Philly, 30, 40 years ago, if you're not in Philly, you can't hear him, you know, you gotta go there to hear him. So just being able to like connect people from all over the world, um, digitally has been, um, one of the biggest pros of live stream, like us talking right now
0: no exactly exactly and and the, uh, you know you could almost call like the d nice dynamic you know that during pandemic because of club quarantine now and all that stuff that there was particularly a dj or other artists that you know like you said the, the through technology the international access of them um it really tapped into something that a lot of these artists seem like and promoters or trying to keep at least some aspect of it. Hey, we'll, we'll do both or I'll do just streaming or just live or do you know do both at the same time once in a while. And it's sort of a different way to interact with fans that way, um, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I'll take this moment now since uh, OpenSea Direct does help uh, event organizers, not like just as Danny would do a hybrid event, um, our software lets people sell tickets to their event as well as um, they can, um, Sell tickets to a live event and a streaming event, do it at the same time. So if you if you're planning to do a live event, want to sell more tickets, you can use OpenSeat Direct and promote like a pro. So your fans pay online, they get their tickets via email, and you get your data and fan info and get paid instantly. So for more information, go to openseatdirect.com. You can sign up for free or save twenty dollars when you enter promo code OSD20 at checkout. And that's OpenSeatDirect.com. Uh, so I want to learn more about as well um, your current work, um, both with uh, it seems like more of the you as an individual, more of a house dance environment, some of that promotion, but also the having Gardner and just some of the, the bigger, you know, let's say the more big commercial uh, 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 event production, event promotion work you're doing. So I'd be curious like how you're balancing, you know, the, 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 the duality of, the what you do for the day job or the night job as it were and then still okay. keeping the dance the dance battle dance promotion stuff going. Isn't that interesting? My paradigm is the opposite of oh no both. big time. Yeah. <laughs> well as you know uh, I worked in sports yeah. and stuff. So a lot of it was yeah. the type of uh schedule you had where you're getting in doing sales during the day, but then you're working the games at nights or the concerts at nights as it were. So definitely yeah. in the same boat in that regard for years. Yes. Yeah, it's,
1: it's um so yeah just just kind of like Kind of going back to that um i would say like i think um i think when you're like in in this state like right now i came from hawaii right where right. it was time is existent there you have a plethora of it and new york here always you know how it is you're you're always scrambling for time you're always fighting for absolutely it, right or you're, there's something always going on you're always you always have to go to something. So when I came back, I I saw that duality clash against each other, like, oh, whoa, like everyone's kind of trying to pull me into their own schedule. But I understand the importance of my own time, you know, and and really, you know, doing what I want to do. So when I actually came back, I finished, um, I had, I was doing full-time event ops with Daybreaker and I realized uh, the schedule just wasn't for me. And Mm -hmm. I kind of had to shift towards something I really wanted in terms of my scheduling, I like, you know, if I want to wake up at a certain time, I just felt like I wanted to wake up at a certain time. And I think, you know, after doing this for a decade plus, you know, I was like, well, I can ask for that now. So, um, you know, I was able to just kind of pivot. And right now I'm freelancing, freelance event producer. So uh, I work at Advent Gardner as uh, ops manager um, on their shows. It's part-time because they're only open you know three to four days a week right. and um i also work as a producer a seasonal producer right now for partnership and events for Tribeca film festival um and yeah that's that's the things those are the things that that pay the bills and then right for the local underground uh dance house house music has been my love for the last 10 years say uh, like seven years actually seven, yeah, seven yeah, eight yeah. years and um, you know, I was able to transition from being a hip hop dancer, b boy, to a house head. Going to, um, you know, when I was young, I started going to Pacha in New York City, and that was kind of my first exposure to house music and and, and house venues, house music venues. And yeah, right. You know, as I got older, um, I started just falling in love with it, trying to learn more about you know the past and the history of clubs and venues in New York City. That kind of like bred the new wave of what we're in now you know um such as like limelight the tunnel uh sound factory you know yep. the law paradise garage these legendary venues that produce the sound in this environment that i work in now and and um yeah uh i still am very involved with the house dance community here um i was able to do a community house dance battle um earlier this month it was uh, a one-on-one we had about 30 competitors it was you know 70 70 people ha- about yeah 30 of them were competitors
0: oh cool okay but
1: um very you know grassroots local event um but it was awesome like it just you know sometimes you don't need to do the fifteen thousand people events to kind of like fill your soul you know no, that's right that's right. so yeah it was it was really it was a small production um real easy it was through my dance company dancers unlimited shout out to them their uh, dance company uh i should join them in hawaii but they're in new york as well so oh great that, that duality worked um but yeah, yeah i was able to do that through them um it was sponsored a whole bunch of sponsors so you know you don't have to really worry too much uh about the budget um but with these little lo- local grassroots events you know i've done so many of them where it's like i can figure out where you know where the budget should be going, you know, where I'm not fighting for like, oh, I need to ask somebody for more money or I didn't, I need to charge my, right. it was free. It was free for everybody that didn't battle. So if you're spectating, you can come oh, that's watch great. for free. And that's I think, um, yeah, that's just an important component. is just providing these resources for people who've never seen this before to just come and just be like exposed to it. And maybe they'll be inspired to dance or listen to house music or go to a club or meet somebody that new that becomes their friend, you know, um, and and that's what's important to me, you know, it's not really about making money at these events, you know, yeah. it's more about, oh, everyone left happy, they left fulfilled, you know, they enjoyed their, their three to five hours at the event, they heard some great music, they met some great people, and, um, you know, that's what really keeps me in the events industry is is those type yeah. of vibes
0: no that's great you connected with people right in the community that you have mutual interest in and that's really the in a lot of ways like the magic of live events that's really even on a larger scale right if you're a big fan of a sports team or an artist you're all there for a reason you have a sort of a united passion for that uh, which is cool now what uh, i'd love to bounce this off you one critique i remember reading years ago about how sort of the nightclub business has changed, let's say, since we were younger or since the 80s or 90s. You mentioned old places like Limelight and the like in New York City. And one dynamic uh, that someone noticed in the world was, you know, 80s and 90s, uh, there was two general critiques is that um, the club dynamic in New York, you didn't, you couldn't just pay yourself your way in. You know, there was sort of like the club kid dynamic where, okay, you may have a lot of money, but that didn't automatically get you in. Or it wasn't um, letting people in just high as bitter, And it created uh, uh, a different environment. If you were letting in people based on different, your different characters and trying to get the right crowd together. Right. Um, and in the other dynamic, it seemed like the, the difference, uh, let's say, back then beats it today and this is only one person's critique was that um you went to clubs back then and it was more again about the party and drinking and having a good time and there might be an artist there that you would watch but now with more of a dj dynamic people are there to watch the dj like they would watch a band so there was less drinking and less, you know, of the the social aspect of, you know, if you're trying to make money at the bar, it's harder because you're just there to watch X person as opposed to dance. And I don't know if those two critiques sort of ring true to you or um, you're a younger guy, so you weren't going in the 80s or anything. But just curious what like what feedback you got based on, um, you know, how that dynamic is today, let's say maybe than what you first started or you heard of in the past.
1: Yeah, so I'm a 2000s club, baby.
0: Yeah, yeah, so yeah, totally,
1: totally. 2000s was my time. I've seen it from 2000 go to 2010 and 2020, and it has changed since. And, uh, you right. know, I'm in touch with a lot of people who are older than me who tell me about the older generation, right? Right. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's just different. I think this idea of exclusivity, like at a party, like, oh, it's not not because of your – your bank account or or if you can buy a table because you know I think nowadays a lot of venues are more concerned about their bar guarantees and their table reservations right because right. You know, rent is expensive here and they need to make money.
0: No, but that's reality. I think back yeah.
1: back in the day from you know when I was coming up as a kid it was more about the music, you know, really like more about the music. Um yeah, you would go see a DJ, but you know, you're going to see a DJ to dance. you're not just going to watch a dj dj you know so um and and even older for me you know that idea of exclusivity you know from what i've heard is that comes from david mancuso from the loft you know he would only invite a certain demographic of people it didn't and it wasn't expensive to get in but you know his the loft was like an open space to all these different all these different types of ethnicities sexual orientations genders uh just a whole place of just openness and um mm-hmm. but because of the openness you had to keep it inclusive because you know you have to keep out certain vibes and i think every yeah. event or venue should have that feeling of exclusivity because you should really understand how to control the vibe of your party and the biggest component of the vibe of your party is the people and if you're not able to control that like let's just say you're producing an event for somebody else then it's everything else like the talent the dj you know the venue the lights whatever but more, more importantly what's an event without people right
0: yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> but
1: but um yeah like coming from 2010 to 2020 the 2020s um you know i think when i was young we'd just go to these house parties it's like five dollar cover you get a red cup right as much alcohol as you no, want. that's right you know, that's right it's not about it's, it wasn't about the money you know it was more about you're there to mingle with people i think nowadays you know when i i go to two i go to a lot of different venues you know i go to venues where it's just mm-hmm. street street style dancers you know like funk box you know at, right? it's a social music hall nowadays that's a strictly dancer party like mostly dancers in there it's not strictly but i'd say 80 percent of them are dancers they're there to dance and right. you go to like a town group property, like Marquee or Lavo, they're there to get table reservations and look at a DJ, DJ, you know, right. for the headliner. So there are two very contrasting paradigms that I'm involved with, with both. Right. And I understand the need and process for both. Like, you know, dancers aren't going to make enough money to purchase the table. Why would they even need a table? They're not going to be a primary factor in your bargain. Yeah. Because dancers dance. don't. Yeah they're there to dance. They're not there to spend money at the bar, you know, and then you have people who are spending money at the bar to drink so they can dance, you know, <laughs> you know, it's right. all quick, Oh yeah, absolutely. It's real thing. So absolutely. Um, absolutely. I think, I think with, with nightclubs and nightlife, to be honest, you need both. You need dancers. Mm-hmm. You need people who are just watching. You need people who are drinking um, and you need uh, the talent and The talent might not always be the headliner in terms of, you know, oh, this person's going to go on stage right now. I'm going to watch him because at the box, we would have the DJ tucked away in the corner. No one saw the DJ. And from what I heard back in the day, that's how it was like. You would just, it wasn't about someone sitting in the center of a stage and you're watching them. It was more like this guy's playing really good music.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that was definitely more the dynamic in a lot of cases. yeah. 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 It's crazy
1: but yeah it's changed a lot and um you know like i said it's 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 there's still both ends of it and that's why i'm kind of in both you know you got that's the beauty of new york city you know like in hawaii when i moved when i was there for a the pandemic i didn't have these options it was a right. club or no club right it was the only one club in the city and they just played open format and there would be dancers and non-dancers there because there's no options. Right, right, <laughs> right. Here in New York, it's like okay, I can go to, I can go to uh, this venue that has only dancers. I can go to this venue that has good music but no dancers. I can go to this venue that's about model service and alcohol. Right. I can go to this venue that's only a show with a live band. So there's so many options. Yeah, absolutely. That's the beauty of New York City is you, whatever you like, there's an event for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, that's indeed the beauty. And I'm curious to step back a little um, before you go. Obviously you've had a lot of experience with sponsorship activation, and I would think there's a lot of event organizers where, as you mentioned, they either might be driven by being the artist or driven by being an event organizer on a specific, you know, sort of uh, content they do. But I'm curious, just general, like real, basic one-on-one tips if let's say an event organizer is trying to grow their business and want to, you know, appeal the sponsors to sell, Hey, we have a certain demographic that's perfect for that brand. And, and sort of, again, they're not working for, you know, a a super major concert venue or something like that. So what would be some basics that you think could help them, you know, either attract and then, you know, to make sure they can (sighs) execute, what those sponsors with these and, and 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 obviously that's an opportunity for more revenue for an event organizer like that.
1: Yeah. With sponsorship activations and, and partnerships, um, my best advice to anybody starting out is know your audience because they're like, I, I mean, really know your audience, like male, female ratio, age, mm-hmm. you know, what type of social goals, like wh- where, where in the, where in the spectrum of like, what are they buying? what's their social status um what's their email right like you need to collect information and date and data because you need to be able to present that information to these brands because they're investing money to get reach to these people and i think it's important for you to uh i think i forgot who said this but it was like know your ideal customer Mm -hmm. like really know your ideal customer so you can kind of gauge it down and pinpoint it okay For example, like uh, Nike is a brand, right, that appeals to people who are athletic, right? So if I'm doing an athletic event, like I'm I'm managing a marathon, right, obviously Nike is going to be where it's at, but if I go to a company that does like, I don't know, like uh, they do like car detailing, right, I'm not going to go to them to sponsor a marathon. So it's about really knowing what brands are already in your space, because if they're already in your space, they probably have done something similar already and just reaching out to them and really setting yourself apart from, you know, your, your contemporaries or, or your competitors, really like, what's going to make you, your event different. What, why is your reach so more effective? And, and I think that's important in terms of sponsorship activation, because these brands are always trying to look for new things to do. You know, they really are because you know, you can't reinvent the wheel, but people are going to try. And I think it's important that people try to reinvent the wheel because it allows for these new things that might be a combination of the old and the new. Right. And where brands, um, like I said, you know, I've done some cool stuff for brands where we've done some cool activations in terms of like experiential installs, um, like immersive, uh, brand activation and you know it's it's really just sitting there and just like what can I do different from what they've done in the past right. and more importantly in order to even have that conversation I always say this is your network like no people go to industry events like you have these four people who are in your target uh sponsor company list try to fi- figure out how you can reach them because. Your cold email isn't gonna to go too far. It's not. Right. Like this right. this industry, your network is your net worth, really. Like you have to go out and just connect with people, know people. And if you don't know people, you have to go out there and, and just really put yourself out there. And I think half of it is just showing up.
0: No, absolutely. And then I guess in, and that makes total sense. The the events that you've been involved with, just to give examples in that regard. So you're talking about dance heavy you know, house DJ nightclub components. So there's always seems to be like a, like a beverage lane, like alcohol brand, you know, brands of alcohol would probably be a lane. Then you had mentioned Red Bull, like there tends to be a lane of that sort of like sport drink or, you know, caffeine drink kind of lane. And what other stuff is it is like e-cigarettes, you know, like the vaping sort of brands doing that kind of space. Uh, I'm just curious, like others. Potential sponsors for that kind of demographic, let's say.
1: Yeah, when I, when I was managing Cascade at Haven Garden last weekend, they had a vape sponsor. Yeah, they, had a, they they gave them a little table deck area with like a booth. Yeah, um, but usually for you know local grassroots events, I always tell people who are just starting and really start with local communities, like local local businesses, because they might not have the biggest budget, but what's more important is that you get their support because if you're tied in with the community people will come yeah because it's close for them they're comfortable they already know people at the event you know and um really just going after like local apparel shops maybe a local beverage shop you know um whatever whatever you can get in terms of just hey like going to a company and just telling them hey we're gonna have 200 people or or 50 200 people at this event but it's close to your business would you like to you know be part of this and, and really just fostering that relationship i think is kind of the key rather than you know you're sending like a a, a, a 20 page deck to a big company and they got yeah 50 right. other decks oh, a big time, deck, yeah. they're looking at 50 other decks right so um like like i said it's really about your relationship with people like if i know somebody up there in the in, in like like a big company like a beverage company mm-hmm. like monster Bull, like which i do you know i right. can cut people like who are sending their decks i'm like hey like i we've worked together so there's already proof of concept right we've worked together it it worked out we did good let's right. do this again and i can renew my sponsorships right rather than okay this is like a cold email to somebody somebody up there i don't even know if they're the decision maker
0: no versus correct.
1: You go into the local, the local business, and you know there's not a lot of people working there. There's only two or three people who are managing or owning it, and you can go straight to the source of the, the decision maker because I think ultimately you gotta. If you're looking for sponsorship brands activation, you gotta go to somebody. You gotta figure out who's gonna be distributing that budget for the for the quarter, because they have a plethora of options. Of events where they can put their budget and you have to kind of just just be like, hey, how am I different from all these other events? Why, no, why should absolutely. I be on the
0: budget? Right. No, no, absolutely. That's such a big thing. Absolutely. Uh and then I guess before you go, a couple things. I'm curious about what you what you expect with this Tribeca event you're working for. I don't know. That'd be an in- interesting sneak peek if regular people oh. can go and, or just what you kind of expect. And then we'd love to hear just, you know, you shouting out what, what you're working on, but, uh, try tribe- you know, someone who's never been like, how are these going to work? Like, so people do the screenings. That's kind of what people would know that some big film that, or independent film that might take off, you could, uh, screen, but then you're involved with these parties. So what's a, what's a preview of what you might see, uh, coming up with that.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I'm actually managing, um, a lot of the, the brand part, the brand partnerships, uh, for the, uh, a lot of these parties and most of them are liquor sponsors
0: yeah that makes so sense.
1: Just, yeah just taking care of you know um beverage orders and and you know just being on site to make sure um you know they're not distributing any other uh beverage than sponsor because that, as you know exclusivity clause is a big thing with sponsorships in regards to certain categories yeah and exactly. and, yeah. and you know just going out there and just you know making sure the brands that are meant to be there are meant to be there. Um, they have enough visibility for media recap like video and photo. We gotta make sure, oh, this is the brand. Let's get some pictures, the people holding the brand so they can use it on their social media or their marketing right. collateral. Right. Um, and also just really logistic-wise, just making sure everything gets to the venue day of set up properly, and if there's anything left over, taking care of that. Um And just making sure the event runs smooth i think that's really you know like the the as a producer you're you pretty much plan everything and you're just crossing your finger you're like oh i hope it goes according to what i plan yeah yeah hoping it runs itself but you know there's always that extra security of just being on site and just making sure it runs on on what you planned and uh yeah that's kind of what i do for work and i love doing that um i love putting out fires i always say you know sometimes i'm a firefighter on the floor and just you know running around putting out some fires and uh yeah that's you can expect me to put out some fires during the next uh, couple weeks for uh track backup but that's seasonal I end that and then i'm having Gardner. but like i said i'm also doing a bunch of uh, house dance events we're trying to make this a series. yeah of the house events
0: when's the next one when do you foresee the next one and how people can find out more about that let's say in particular so
1: we are so i'm trying to make it bi-monthly we're still working on it right now um uh it's not nothing's concrete yet just because the summer season's kind of just rolling around and there's so much work going around um so we're, we're still trying to figure it out but um there's a lot going on in the house dance and the house world right now in terms of parties um so yeah like if you haven't gone if you haven't gone seen these legendary DJs who've been DJing since like the 80s 90s i would say you know they're spinning all over the world now but they'll come back to new york for one show so i would say yeah. for anyone who loves house music go check out these venues and these DJs cuz the events are coming back. Parties are really coming back strong right now. It's in a way that I've never seen it before because people have not been to it for two years. I so was going to say, do you feel the yeah. pent
0: up sort of the pent up, you know, excitement of going back? And it's relatively normal. It's not completely, but relatively normal. Um, you, you, yeah, it's, it's pretty clear. You see that 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 energy, yeah. for sure, right?
1: They they are. It's 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 a different type of energy. It's like people have been deprived and they're like yeah. really about it now, you <laughs> yeah. know, and. It's, yeah. it's a crazy type of energy that I haven't really felt in a couple of years. And um, it excites me because it's like, whoa, like this is kind of coming back like really full strong. But, you know, like I said, you know, I saw it change from 2000, 2010, 2010 to 2020. Now I'm seeing it 2022 changing, you know, and I'm excited to see where it's going to go in the next couple of years. Um, just because, you know, like I just to see the growth of the evolution of the, of, you know, the scene and the industry. Um, and, you know, like I said, being able to to do this hybridization of events now, you know, and, and completely virtual, uh, I'm excited to see what people can do, you know? So the, the bags in the air, let's see what's going to go on this summer. Summer's going to be crazy in New York city. So (laughs) I'm excited.
0: (laughs) No, and it, it, you certainly. Uh, yeah, it seems like you are. And that's good. That means you've seen it all. and You you can see how it's it's sort of reaching a crescendo, you know, after these years of us, uh, you know, doing things differently uh, from home or what have you. So that's good. Well, hey, did. This was a, a pleasure. Tell us before you go where people can find more about these house events you're doing, your social media handles, all that.
1: Yeah, you can find me at mr.danny.woo. That's me, Mr. Danny Woo, um, on Instagram, Facebook. Um, yeah, and then my companies with Dancers Unlimited. My company's with management. Um, I'm with Avan Garner right now, Tribeca Film Festival uh, for the seasons. And then uh, back to the local grassroots after the season's over. So I'm excited.
0: No, that's great. Yeah, we have to keep in touch on that. But uh, hey, sure. Danny, this was great, man. A pleasure. I'm glad you were able to jump on. And, um, you know, um, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. I always love sharing my experience. So I appreciate you, Michael, for having me. It was always good catching up to you. And I'm sure we're going to talk in the next couple of days.
0: No, absolutely. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Awesome.
1: Thank you. Appreciate the time.